Hello, this is Hear Her Sports, the podcast of long-form, intimate profiles of female athletes breaking boundaries, speaking up, and living with power and confidence. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, and we are back. This first episode with trail runner, adventure runner, hiker, power hiker, coach, mentor, meditator, speaker, and writer, Christy Peoples, is top-notch. What you will find in today's episode is a little bit of philosophy and a little bit of how-to, along with Christy's fun and love of movement. We start off with a topic I've been thinking about a lot over break, why sports now? I love Christy's answer about the trails helping her process everything going on right now. She also takes an important mini digression into the word sports. Editing this conversation with Christy spurred me to get this episode out quick. I wanted others to hear her words. Yes, the election is over. I'm recording this on Wednesday morning. But there's still uncertainty and sadness. And of course, the pandemic continues on. There's still a lot of speaking out to do. So before we meet Christy, spread the word about women doing just that, taking up space and motivating others. Tell three friends about the podcast. For me, interviewing guests for the upcoming shows has kept me going, moved, and energized me even on the most nutty, difficult days. I hope you and your friends find the same. Now let's get to it. Today's guest is Christy Peoples. Christy is a trail runner, adventure runner, meditation teacher, and also a speaker, writer, and media producer. She coaches women in trail running along the front range, leads healing hikes, and facilitates retreats, which empower participants to develop skills that will serve them both in nature and in daily life. It is in these spaces that Christy gives voice to an experience of women and people of color in the outdoors, narratives that are important yet unfamiliar to many. Christy is also the founder of Black Women's Alliance, a social network centered around the wellness and healing of Black women in body and mind. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much for being here. It is really, truly an absolute honor that you're here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I'm I'm really honored to be here. (laughs) Well, great. You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, and I really want to talk about it with the decision that we just heard about Breonna Taylor. Why sports now? Why are they... You know, like we've had a pandemic for six months. There's so much turmoil, you know, like we've all been social isolating and the election is coming up. I mean, why is sports important? Oh, you know what? I just came back from a run this morning with a friend. And as soon as I got out of the car, I said, look, this cannot be a terrible run because this is our place for joy. And then we just went right into it, Breonna Taylor, the election, and everything that you just mentioned, the pandemic, racial strife, social unrest, all of that. And the reason that sports, and let me just pause right there around sports, because a lot of times it brings up this idea of competition and struggle and difficulty and all that stuff. And it's sort of elite kind of bubble that a certain chosen few are allowed to really roam in. But as I see it, I feel like it's more activity, you know, and giving ourselves permission to get outside together, to move our bodies. It's movement, it is liberation, it is exhilaration, and it is really uh, sort of throwing it all up against the wall and seeing what you're going to get. Because This morning on our run, we were able to literally run through all of that, all of the grief and unresolved pain and layers of being disgruntled and and just 
baffled by all of it, you know, and, and then we were able to move on to just, you know, kind of daily things, what's going on. And so sports or movement or activity, giving ourselves permission to be outside, to move our bodies, to run without any agenda, but to be healthy and to be together and to connect. I mean, that's what this activity gives us. And that's why it's so important because it comes as a healing, as a release, as an opportunity to connect, and as a means to to keep our sanity somewhat, you know? And especially when nothing else really seems solid or certain, and there's so much upheaval right now, sports, getting outside and moving is a great way to to kind of touch into a sense of of normalcy or a an experience of release that is so incredibly necessary for stress management for a modicum of happiness I'll even say and uh freedom that's the long answer sort of <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned the term sports because oftentimes I don't really know what to call it because Mm -hmm. I think women often sort of resist the term sports because of what you talked about, competition and, you know, it's not their world. And that then prevents them from being physically active. Mm -hmm. Even with women that I work with and people that I take out sometimes, oh, I'm too slow. I'm too this. I'm too that. You know, so I'm going to be slow. I'm going to be whatever. And there are so many misgivings or myths that get dispelled when you just show up, you know. And so moving that word sports off to the side really helps. (laughs) You know, that's like one more barrier to entry that's removed when we can just sort of take that word sports out of it. I think about that a lot because I'm aging. And so is everyone aging, right? right? As long as we're alive, everybody is aging. The other thing that I think is interesting in the stuff that you talked about with running, I mean, I've always run, but it's become so important to me now. And Mm -hmm. I've been trying to put words to it. I mean, it's almost as if I'm running away or running to something or I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it can be all of those things, you know, because when I said you sort of show up on the run and you throw it all up against the wall, it's a parallel to just showing up to the trail, not knowing what's going to happen, because there are so many variables. One, we are not male replicas. We are not men. So we show up, we have hormone fluctuations, we have weight fluctuations, we have mood differences. I mean, all sorts of things. And not to mention whatever daily issues we're arriving with. And so giving ourselves that sort of latitude or going in with that kind of understanding, it can be running, can be a haven, it can be a release, it can be an anchor, it can be a getaway, you know? So I allow it to be anything that it wants to be. I don't race, I run, I hike, I enjoy myself. And there are so few spaces 
in our lives, you know, where we get to just run and play and exert ourselves, exhaust ourselves, and really enjoy nature and the company of other people. So you ask, you know, what what it is, what am I, you know, am I running toward or or away from something? Yes, <laughs> all of that. And I'm running with, I'm running with a lot of things too. Right. You know, so yeah. Before we get any further, talk a little bit about what kind of running you actually do and maybe the coaching that you do and, and what other activities you do. My main jam is trail running. And so that is showing up to the trail and running and, and hiking, depending on, you know, what the elevation profile looks like. And also depending on, as I mentioned before, what I'm showing up with. There are days when it just feels like such a struggle to get there. I say, you know what? I might just walk because I don't know what's going to happen. But primarily it's running. And so I also love power hiking, regular hiking, cross-country skiing in the winter, snowshoeing, basically the mountain sports aside from skiing. And my coaching, I work with a group here called Life's Too Short Fitness, and I coach an introductory session that brings women either transitioning from the road to the trail or just kind of showing up new to running. Maybe they've run for a while. The idea is that you can run a 5K consistently without any issues. And so... What we do is provide people with skills and drills and a lot of exercises and training across different types of trails to get them used to the activity and to really help them to set them up for success and an ongoing enjoyment or practice of the activity. So that's the kind of coaching that I do. What are some of the recommendations for the footing, the uneven footing as people transferred from the flat road to mm -hmm. trail. I noticed that, you know, myself when I'm trail running is, wow, there's roots and rocks, which I don't think you have so much in Denver. And not so much in Denver, but we're right here at the front range. And so half hour away, 25 minutes away, you can get to some really good technical trails. And so by technical, I mean, lots of rocks and roots and uneven terrain. And so one of the things that's very different from trail running versus road running is that trail running, we have to get our knees up a bit higher to clear those uneven surfaces and to clear those rocks and stuff. Whereas with road running, you can kind of set a pace and you can coast, you can kind of tune out, but Trail running really requires us to drive our elbows a little bit more and get our whole body into it in a different way. Because when we drive our elbows back a little more and really work our arm swing, that helps us get our knees up to clear those rocks. And so with footing, I'd say that is a key element right there. The other thing, too, is scanning, which is looking ahead and down at an angle and looking forward, maybe like six to six to nine feet or whatever, 
and then sweeping your glance across to the sides of the trail as well so that you can see what's coming up and you can get it in your mind and prepare and respond accordingly, right? So you're also looking for wildlife. There could be snakes on the side of the trail. There could be snakes on the trail ahead of you that are colored very much like the trail. So you want to be aware of that. And you also don't want to be looking straight down at your feet because that could cause a little, a lot of problems actually and throw your form off. One other thing that I would suggest with foot placement is to really watch watch your, your stride, to keep your feet underneath you and not like kicking out ahead of you too far. Because again, with the responsiveness, we want to make sure that we aren't overextending because that way, if we're overextending, then there's more likelihood for us to get injured, to slip on uneven rock or gravel. And when our feet are underneath us, we have more ability to respond to the terrain as it changes. So those are the probably the three biggest things. Those are good. It's much more <laughs> mentally exhausting to run on trails, I found. Yes, yes, because you got all these different things going and you're like, there's that mind-body or brain-body connection that's firing up in a, an entirely different way as well. You mentioned exercises and drills and stuff. Are you doing drills for this foot placing and the knees up and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, because one of the one of the things that you find on trail running, and you could probably attest to this too, is that we are asking a whole lot more of our feet and our ankles on the trail than we are on the road. <laughs> so foot strength is really important. So we focus on feet and strengthening the ankles, the hips, also bringing the, the glutes into the party. <laughs> so it's lots of squats to help us with our heel work, agility. We look at that as well. And also we'd like to give people just a... a an accessible kind of menu of things that they can do at home, you know, or in between, not even in between things. I'll say you're walking around at home. You can, you know, roll your feet. You can massage your feet. You can, you know, trace the alphabet with your foot just to get those little muscles going, you know, while you're sitting in a Zoom meeting. This really working those ankles. Um, <laughs> I like that. You know, because these are real women like who aren't going to do some kind of intensely detailed training program. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you actually going to do, you know, in your downtime? Like if you think about it and you're sitting there at a meeting, okay, yeah, I can, I can, you know, roll and flex and extend my foot and do circles and trace the alphabet. That's easy enough, you know, like, but that's something that's really going to help you when you get out on the trail. A few squats, a few wall sits, that kind of thing. Stuff that that's like low hanging fruit that's going to help you. Yeah. You mentioned that these are normal women. I mean, they've already signed up once they've gotten to you, but are you often having to encourage them to keep going just because maybe they've gotten themselves into something they hadn't realized? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so when people sign up, a lot of times it's like they might say, 
oh, I've always wanted to run trails or I didn't want to do it alone. I wanted to learn what it was about. And then, you know, we'll show up to a trailhead and I'll point to where we're going and it's up. (laughs) And they're like, oh my God, what are you going to make us do? I can't do that. Oh, you know, this is going to hurt. I'm going to be slow. I'm going to be terrible, whatever. And sure enough, it does take encouragement because, I mean, make no mistake, trail running is hard sometimes, a lot of the times. That's just a part of it. But really being able to to reinforce the idea that, or the understanding that no woman is going to be left behind. We know that you can do it. This is not a race. And go at your own pace and use the tools that we've been working. And so sure enough, once we get to the top of the hill or we have climbed the mountain, I pause and I say, okay, now you can you see the parking lot? And if we can see the parking lot, it's like, you know, the cars are ant sized or something. I'm like, tell that to your peanut gallery. You have actual evidence that you can do it because you're doing it. And then, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, thank you for for getting me up here. I'm like, yeah, I didn't do anything. You did all the running, you know. And so it's a really sweet kind of transformation or transition from that idea of, oh, I didn't know what I was getting into or this is going to be too hard or I can't do it to that place where they're at the mountaintop really understanding that, oh my gosh, I did do this. And then they are skillfully coming down the hill and safely and enjoying themselves and building community at the same time. So there are all these wonderful supports that are kind of built in for encouragement, you know, because friendships are made and new levels of of strength are realized, you know, in these workouts and stuff and and just in time spent with each other. So that's part of the encouragement. And the other part too is, you know, there's social media and there's also just the fact that, you know, they know that this is something that needs to be ongoing. They have a new incentive because there's a new community that they've been introduced to. There, There are always at least a few women who are willing to go and ready to go. And now just a quick break to say that Hear Her Sports is now an affiliate of Bookshop, an online bookstore supporting local independent bookstores. When you order books from hearhersports.com forward slash books, we get a small percentage of the total sale. We put together a fun list of books recommended by our guests, written by our guests, or related to an episode. Right on top, you'll find Christy's recommendation, Untamed, which she says she can't recommend highly enough. But there's no need to stick to the list once you're on Hear Her Sports store page. All of your purchases support the show, and we will thank you very much. That website again is hearhersports.com forward slash books. You mentioned something that I really like about athletics, too, or physical movement is how it teaches us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable to dealing with with an activity that's difficult or feeling that's difficult. Mhm. Yes. And that can be in the body, in the mood, you know, in the mood and the mind, in the world, 
just really creating more space for that, knowing that there's going to be difficulty and this is just one moment and I can get through it. You know, when it's getting hard and let's say I'm taking them on a trail that they haven't been to before and I know where we are along the course, but they don't, I say, okay, let's talk about mental toughness. We're going to have a few rolling hills here or we're going to have some challenge or whatever. And I want you to keep going. Find your stride, find your pace that is sustainable. When it gets tough, just keep breathing and regroup. Go into a positive mental mantra, you know, whatever you need to do. Because, you know, there are a lot of different stages that we go through on runs. You know, oh, this is feeling so beautiful. Listen to the birds. Oh my God, I hate this. Why did I do this? Who does this? I can't go on. Where's my car? (laughs) And so it's a matter of really being with yourself, understanding it's going to get tough and understanding that, all right, I'm going to need to do something differently in order to get myself out of here or in order to sustain this run without stopping, you know, or in order to not give in to the negative thoughts that keep popping up as I go, you know, because, you know, I always say like, you know, your physical limits. So I'm not going to try to push you past those, but I am going to urge you to ask yourself, can I do one more step? How is my body really feeling? I'm uncomfortable, but am I, am I in real pain or is this just in my mind? It takes some effort or some consciousness to really discern, okay, this actually is not my body. This is my mind. And, oh, look, I'm at two and a half miles. I'm used to doing two and a half miles around my neighborhood. And so something in me feels that two and a half miles. And now I'm telling myself I'm ready to stop. And so when we're out together, my encouragement is, Listen to that, see what's up in your body, and then ask yourself if you can go on and then figure out a pace, really check in with your form and your pace. And like, look at all the actual moving parts to this activity and see what you can do to extend that. Because that's what not only builds our endurance, but it also builds our, I won't say, well, yes, I will say a sort of immunity to the voices that want to kick in, you know, and have us otherwise uh, stop. These past six months, I've been feeling very lucky that I'm an athlete. You know, in some ways, the pandemic feels like this miserable training session, long, miserable training (laughs) session. (laughs) And I know that it will end, you know, at some point. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people have had their races canceled and have been really disappointed because they were so far along on their training programs and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, let's not lose sight of the fact that we get to do this. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity for us. This is what we're choosing to do. And there are so many wonderful things in that experience alone, let alone any races that have been canceled or anything, which I understand how disappointing that can be. 
but our bodies are healthy and strong and allow us to go out to the mountain and run these trails. You know, think about the miracle of our bodies when so many people have unfortunately fallen victim to COVID-19 or coronavirus, or some people, you know, can't make it out to the trails or they can't move in the ways that we are tempted to take for granted. So it's also a huge opportunity, not only to have that one long extended training session, but to also kind of check ourselves in terms of like what the gift of what we're able to still do. Do you use your sport or physical activity to better understand the world? Yes, absolutely. Because I was just talking about this uh, this morning with my friend, like, you know, being out on the trails helps us really connect to nature and unplug for a bit. And... And it also gives us an, a, more of an awareness of what public lands are, right? So here in Boulder, the government buys tracts of land and preserves them or keeps them as open space, right? And so open space is public space. And that means that people who have paid their taxes own that land. Just making that connection Because when I started, I knew, okay, open space, the open space park just was the open space park or whatever. And the more I went out and started learning about the trails, the more I realized, oh, open space is purchased by taxpayer dollars. And so when that comes up on the ballot, should we use X percent of, you know, revenue to acquire more open space. Like now I understand what that means, where maybe before I became a trail runner, I might not have understood that so clearly. And so now I understand that. I also have a greater awareness of what it means to to protect the environment, to care for the spaces that I enjoy so much. And also to learn the history of the people who have lived there before me and maybe were displaced, you know? So there are a lot of things that I learn just about the outdoors, just by being there. I also am able to process more some of these very difficult issues that are front and center in our world right now as well. So if I was just sitting here this whole time, I live alone. And so if I was just sitting here with nothing to do, it would be a very different, much more depressing story. I assure you of that because I know a number of people who've said, you know, I've been drinking a lot. I've been doing day drinking with my neighbors, socially distanced day drinking, and I am having panic attacks and all that sort of thing. And so being able to to run, to go out to these open spaces helps me to process that energy of anxiety or that energy of despair. And because 
you know, either I can get overworked and overwhelmed if I'm not going out to run, or I can become really lethargic and listless because of the seeming hopelessness in the world right now and fear of other people. Or I could become agoraphobic because it's just so bad out there, or that's the messaging, you know, that the media is sharing with us, that it's so bad out there. So, so this activity, sports, really helps to not only manage my mental state and is a huge boon to my mental health, but it's also a safe space to just be with those big questions that seem unsolvable and to right-size them so that they're not so consistently overwhelming. Yeah. When you were talking, one thing that I thought of is sort of this idea of taking up space, which I think is so important for, you know, people of color and women, this learning mm -hmm. to be able to take up your space, the space that's rightfully yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, the awareness of just in that example of public lands. Wait, I own this. I have a right to be here. This is mine too, you know, like making those connections doesn't come so easily when all you see represented are people of great economic privilege, people who are white, white dudes, and the internalized story that, oh, this is not for me because that's for them. You don't see us out there. And then it becomes a sort of joke, like we're not going out there in those mountains or that's not for us or, you know, or it's dismissed as being either not for us or white people stuff or it's dangerous or there's nobody out there doing it who looks like me. So I'll just leave it alone. There are a whole bunch of other things that I can do, you know, and so... We have our own internalized stories about, well, that's not for me. And then you have other people. I've had people in my family, I mean, a long time ago, not now, but I've had people say, oh, why are you going out there? They don't want you out there. Or do Black people do that? Do people of color do that? And so there's the internalized idea because the media only portrays a certain type and it's slowly begun to change. And also, like with the women that I coach, a lot of times, even the ones who show up are like, oh, uh, some of them, not all of them. But it's the constant work of reminding ourselves, hey, we belong here too. Let's dip our toe in. Let's see what it's about. Let's take up some space because we can. And so that has been tremendously rewarding for me to see because people get to say for themselves. I mean, we've always been able to, well, not always, but for the past couple of decades anyway, we've been able to say, all right, I can go anywhere I want to go. I belong wherever I am. And so really making good on that understanding by showing up and being able to engage with nature and the outdoors in a way that's right for you 
is huge. That sort of, again, self-permission to show up and to do your thing in a way that feels good to you is huge. If your thing happens to be giving yourself permission to show up in nature, studies show that you know, a couple of hours in nature can lower our cortisol levels. So that's our stress hormone. So we relax a little bit more. Our heart rate or our nervous system starts to regulate itself. And so we come out of this fight or flight or panic or anxiety, low-grade anxiety mode. And we get to carry these benefits back home. Being able to show up in nature and to reap the benefits back at home means that, you know, you have, you maybe take on a little more ease or confidence in the other places that you feel like you don't necessarily have too much agency because you realize like, Oh, I really can be here. I really can dismantle some of those ideas that I had about participation. I really can explore. And so those are the huge, surprising and and wonderful outcomes of participating. Yeah. Are you hopeful about changes that are happening in outdoor space in representation? You know, I think the importance of representation is so underestimated. Are you hopeful about the speed at which this is happening, which, as you mentioned, is really slow. I mean, how are you thinking about the future of this? Well, I feel great about what people are creating, right? So there are lots of organizations that have come around. There's Outdoor Afro. There's Latinos outdoors. There's Native women's wilderness. There's Natives outdoors. There's outdoor Asian. There's queer nature. All sorts of different organizations that have sprung up to create more access, more opportunity and education for their respective communities. You know, so people show up, they find community, they find a safe space, they're able to go out and learn and grow and just be and reclaim, reclaim their right to connect to nature. That's huge. I feel great about that. I see that happening all around me because that's the sort of friend set or that's the extended community that I am in, that I am a part of. None of these organizations have banged on the Sierra Club's door or or REI's door or any of these major institutions to say, hey, can you let us in? Can you give us permission? (laughs) You know, can we get your permission to show up or to be part of the outdoor scene? Like, you know, because people are realizing, hey, we don't have to wait for them to invite us in. We'll do it ourselves, you know? So that's hugely empowering. And interestingly enough, it has the attention of these old stodgy organizations that have very willfully looked past any of these communities over time. So that's incredibly hopeful. And, you know, involvement in these communities, in these organizations, 
not only connects people to a deeper sense of belonging in nature and adventure in the outdoors, but it also helps us become aware of what issues are up, what needs to be addressed. Like, oh, wait, they're cutting funding for the national parks, or they're going to stop doing free days at the national parks, or they're going to bulldoze these different areas to put pipelines in or whatever. So it it gives us a broader understanding of the impact of conservation efforts, as well as efforts that fly in the face of conservation. And so those are things that we get to see up close. And again, we're not waiting for anybody to invite us into that. So I feel great about that. Yeah. Yeah. Skirting around the existing. Well, it's not even skirting around. It's, it's building, building up where you are. It's not centering these old institutions. It's centering the needs and experiences of the communities themselves. So these other institutions then take notice. Oh, well, wait a minute. Oh, I, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for self-care and what are you talking to your clients about in regards to self-care? And when I say self-care, I mean that in a really deep sort of holistic way, like, you know, your meditation, but also talking about confidence and taking up space and all that kind of stuff. I think transparency is really important. Even in an act as simple as somebody asking you, how are you doing? Really pause for a minute. Like I've been consciously pausing to think about that, to really consider that question because the norm is, oh, fine, you, you know, because, oh, nobody wants to hear it. It's not really a question. They don't really, it's nothing. Or we haven't checked in with ourselves to see how we're actually doing. And so I catch myself and I say, you know what? I actually don't know how I'm feeling today or I am numb because of the onslaught of killings or corruption or negative media or depression or whatever. It was hard for me to get out of the bed today, actually, you know? And so being very clear about checking in with yourself and letting people see that is a big deal. That's a huge act of self-care. That is really fundamental. It's basic. And so self-care for me looks like small acts of kindness to the self. It is the meditation. It is the drinking more water. It is the pausing to check in with the self and to really let people know how you're doing. And it is also connecting to people who really care as well, because that nurtures your sense of well-being, knowing that you're cared for, eating better foods, taking naps. I am a fan of naps. And even just last night, I resumed the practice of blocking off time in my calendar just for myself. Because I will pack my, Elizabeth, 
I will pack my calendar to the gills if I don't watch it. (laughs) So I'll put it on my calendar. I'll block out time in the evening. This is Christy time. Do not overbook. You know, and so if I come up with something that wants to infringe on that time, I have to really sit with it and say, is this going to be better than time spent with myself? So looking for those ways to care for yourself and be kind to yourself in the moment is huge. That's my self-care rather than, okay, I just put a massage on the calendar for three weeks away. Oh, that's going to be good. Then that'll be self-care. What are you going to do in the time since? What are you going to do in this moment? You know, what about the care that you need in the days leading up to that massage? So that's why I say I try to keep it very close, close to home, like in the now moment, how I'm going to care for myself in addition to the other stuff. In addition to a good massage. That's right. Yeah. And a run on the trail. And, you know, yeah. And your clients, are they good about, I don't know, taking extra self-care during these times that are so exhausting? No. You know, because every day it's something different. And so if they don't prioritize their self-care, then... They don't. And then so self-care becomes this really distant idea, you know, or becomes an abstract thing. I mean, beyond saying you got to find ways to care for yourself, really bringing in what's going to nurture you and trying to disengage from what is sabotaging you or upsetting you. If you don't have some kind of tools or resources for that, then it's not gonna go well. Speaking of conditioning, our culture, by that I mean American culture, has really built itself, has prided itself on being hardworking, individualistic, we can do it alone, go big or go home, epic, do epic shit, you know? And pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all this stuff that says work hard and alone and win (laughs) at all expenses because we are exceptional. We are America. So when it comes to, oh my gosh, a friend of mine has referred to this time as the great pause, you know, and people find themselves in disarray. You know, if they have all this time, it's like, okay, how can I pack this time? Or what can I do? There's something about do, do, doing that flies in the face of a self-care practice because self-care is kind of soft. Well, literally it is soft. It's not overstated and it's not going to bring you any extra money or accolades or access to anything except yourself, you know, and your sanity and all that. So it's about shifting our perception of what self-care is and what the value of it is and how it can help us manage, you know, all of the, the inconsistencies and challenges that we're faced with these days. 
I think, too, it's hard to admit that there are actual physical implications of stress. For example, you mentioned the fight or flight. You know, the stress mm -hmm. that we're feeling have consequences and require a little more self-care, a little bit more napping and things like that. And, and as you mentioned, you know, like in America, we don't like to admit that. Mm -hmm. That's why transparency is so important. You don't have to put your business all on the social media street, but, you know, let people know, hey, I'm struggling today. You know, even if you don't want to say I'm struggling, call somebody up. Hey, how are you doing? What can I, is there anything I can do for you? Let's meet up for a walk or something like that. You know, really reaching out and connecting to what feels good to us is huge. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't get to and you would like to talk about? I would say find what brings you joy. And if, it, if it's something that involves moving your body, I won't call it sports because it could also be dancing. It could be taking walks, you know, find what brings you joy and literally move with that. Give yourself permission to move with that. That's huge. So that's, that's what I want to say. Incorporate that into your daily life, prioritize it and enjoy it without an agenda of getting some place except to yourself, you know, getting into, get it, get into yourself. Don't get over yourself, get into yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for the first show after our break. What an incredible treat to talk to Christy. And I have been thinking of her every time I head out for a trail run pick up my knees and scan the trail ahead for snakes. Check out Christy's show notes page for links to her social, the Black Women's Alliance, her website where you can find her video series, the diverse outdoor organizations she mentioned, and much more. Find that at hearhersports.com. There's always good stuff coming up in the next episodes, so subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While 44% of athletes are women, only 4% of the media coverage is about women. Hear Her Sports aims to shift the scale while inspiring women to be their best. Till next time, bye-bye. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. 
So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. <laughs>